Welcome to the 57th episode of Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports writer Rusty Simmons. Warriors fans probably remember Rusty for his time covering Golden State from 2009 to 2016. Now, after a couple years on the Cowbeat, he's back helping out with Warriors coverage. Late Thursday night, I sat down with Rusty in Oracle Arena's lower bowl to break down the Warriors' Game 5 loss to the Clippers, how it could affect Golden State in the next round, what's ailing the Warriors, and much, much more. We'll have our conversation right after the break. Rusty Simmons and I chatted in Oracle Arena's lower bowl about an hour after the final buzzer sounded on the Warriors' Game 5 loss to the Clippers. So, Rusty, here we are in the lower bowl of Oracle Arena. Um, it's late at night, obviously uh, a pretty insane evening for for Warriors fans. I think shocking on some, some levels. The Warriors lost 129 to 121 in game five of the first round to the Los Angeles Clippers. They are going to play a game six against the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, if I had said that two weeks ago, would you have you thought I was crazy? I mean, if I had predicted when we were all sitting around and guessing how long this series would go, if I had told you it's going to go six games, would you have you laughed in my face? Absolutely. Or I would have thought you had a relative on the Clippers staff or something. <laughs> like, why in the world would you think the Clippers were still in this series? Yeah, I think it's – I think I think even tonight, the fact that it was going five games, a lot of people were surprised. But there was nobody in the building who didn't think this thing was going to get closed out tonight. I mean, that was what everybody thought. Yeah, you know, I've watched this team enough at this point, especially this season, where you can really feel when it's just not their night. You know, there are some nights where they'll be down 15 in, you know, early in the third quarter, and you're like, they're still going to pull this out. They got this. It's all good. You know, they, they got this. But tonight, it just felt weird from the jump, and they weren't hitting those shots that they need to be hitting to pull out a game like this. And, you know, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of game two. Now, I know – totally different circumstances obviously game two they were up 31 points early in the third and then endured the biggest collapse in NBA postseason history but the the big parallel was just the the difference in effort and intensity level the Clippers are playing free they have nothing to lose they're led by some scrappy guys in Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams, who are the type of players who go hard every single play, regardless of what the score is. And what I was just kind of taken aback by today was here we are. There's so much at stake. Not only can you close out the series, but this has some serious implications for the next series because right before tip off tonight, the Rockets close out their their first round series against Utah. They're going up on the podium and straight up telling media, we want to face the Warriors. We're looking forward to facing the Warriors. Um, and D'Antoni basically anointed the Warriors their next round opponent, which you don't see an NBA head coach doing very often. And then they come out and defensively are just not engaged, playing matador defense much of the night, wide open looks. I mean, just given the stakes to have that lack of engagement on defense is is startling at this point in the season. Yeah, and it's interesting, right, because a lot of times when the Warriors don't play well, 
you look at turnovers and right away you're like, oh, that was the problem. They got sloppy. Yeah. They got lazy. Um, but tonight they took care of the ball. Uh, they hit their 30 assists total that, that usually means a win. Um, but defensively, they were just awful um, individually and as a team. Uh, it was terrible. And, and almost always when you see a defense like that, it's because of exactly what you talked about. They weren't engaged. They weren't they weren't locked into the to the game plan. Um, defense is in a lot of ways energy and effort and, right. and there was very little of that from the Warriors tonight yeah as cliche as it is I mean and there were so many plays where or possessions where the Warriors just didn't get back in transition left guys completely wide open you know Patrick Beverly came out really hot when he's not known as an offensive dynamo but he just had so many wide open looks and um, it felt like the Warriors, for lack of a better phrase, were kind of looking ahead to the Rockets, which, you know, we all were. Um, and obviously the Rockets understandably were. And uh, Clay Thompson kind of broke the unwritten rule in basketball after game four and called the Rockets their opponent. And then tonight basically admitted that he was looking ahead. He owned it tonight, yeah. Uh, which you know, showed in their, their performance offensively, they were, you know, not horrible. They really fell off toward the end there, but most of the night they were solid offensively. Kevin Durant was sensational, 45 points, six assists, six rebounds. Um, but he made a really key mistake toward the end of the game after hitting that, that big bucket with, I want, I want to say a little over two minutes left. And then eight seconds later, fouls Lou Williams on the three-pointer, which kind of felt like the turning point in the game. Lou Williams hits the three-pointer, hits the foul shot, and then hits two more shots within a little over a minute span to give them the game-changing cushion. And the Warriors during that stretch just went completely silent offensively. But crazier things have happened than the Warriors going and dropping game six. I mean, this has been such a weird year that I won't I won't put it past the Warriors to just somehow beyond comprehension just lay an egg in game six and then we're back for game seven and everyone's losing their minds because how could that be possible? I mean let's not forget this is the Clippers entered the series as the biggest playoff underdog ever. Ever like the I wanna say the Warriors were like a, a you know uh, 20,000 favorite 20,000 to one or something like insane like that. It was just unreal. They, they had much better odds to win their first round series than Milwaukee did. Right. And Milwaukee had a significantly better record in the regular season. The Warriors were favored to sweep the Clippers more than some teams were to win their series. Right. Right. So, I mean, it, it was absurd what, what Vegas thought and what, I, what a lot of us thought, what I thought, I, right. I thought I, I didn't think there was any chance this series was going five, and and I thought the Warriors were talking at the start of the playoffs that they they seem to understand the importance of getting your business done and waiting and preparing for the next team, um, and somehow that's gotten lost in this series. Uh, and I thought it might be that blip in game two, but but now now they got to play now they got to fly again and play a game six. Yeah, luckily it's L.A. Can you imagine if they were flying to? Oklahoma City and given all the circumstances you know having to fly to Oklahoma City or San Antonio which were the two 
other options and then try to fly back and get ready for Houston. Um, that would be, that would be tough. Um, but you know, one thing that's interesting too, is I haven't heard, I mean, I haven't heard about a formal like players only meeting or any of that type of situation. I know that there have been conversations behind the scenes, but I haven't heard about anything formalized like that. And if it feels like there's been enough to warrant something like that. Um, and you wonder if, if there hasn't been that, that formalized type of meeting, if it's just because there's not the right, you know, no one feels comfortable enough given the dynamic of the team or, you know, um, Steph is obviously the leader of this team, but he's not, I'm not sure if he's the type of guy to do that. And the type of guy to do that would probably be Draymond. And as we've talked about, I think on the pod before, I wonder how much his voice really, how much weight his voice really carries at this point. No, I think you hit on an interesting dynamic with this team that um, their best player is Stephen Curry, so he should be the leader, but he's not a vocal guy, right? If, if anybody's taking leadership from him, it's about the way he carries himself and the way he goes about his business. Um, Draymond is the most talkative one, but they've heard that now for years and years. Um, I think the guys who could call this meeting uh, would be guys like Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. And oftentimes, I think Andre Iguodala is a really good barometer for this team. He probably takes it to the negative a little bit more than all yeah. of us because he sees the game so well. He understands the little details that are wrong. Um, and so part of me says if – Andre still hasn't called this team meeting and maybe it's not necessary yet, um, but that'll be pretty telling because because I think Andre or Sean are the guys who could do that. And, and if they think this thing has gotten so bad that they call that meeting, um, I think then, then that probably means they're starting to see what what we see right now. What, there are some fractures in this group. Um, I don't want to get way ahead, of, way ahead of ourselves, but, you know, I kind of want to ask this question throughout the playoffs because I, I, I think it might evolve uh, over the course of the postseason. But. In this moment right now, after watching this team lose tonight, do you still would you still you know bet money on the on the Warriors? Obviously, we can't actually bet, but you know what I'm saying. Bet money on the Warriors winning the title, or do you think that it's just it's just not going to happen? And 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 more specifically, do you could you really see them? Do you think there's above a fifty percent chance of them losing to the Rockets? I still look at the sheer talent that they have and you're right uh we cannot bet and nor do we have money to bet right but but if if i did um i would still actually take the warriors over the rest of the field that's left in the playoffs I, i think they're that talented um but they're making it harder on themselves by by everything we're talking about by the little fractures in the group by having to play more games having to fly more often um, they're making it hard on themselves, but I, I still can't. I still can't look at the roster or even look the way they play in six-minute stretches where it's just beautiful and, and brilliant. Um, I, I still can't believe that that's not going to win win the championship. Yeah, no, I agree. And there's a there's a big difference between dropping two games in a series and losing a series. And you know, I always it's it's it was not never out of the realm of possibility the Warriors could drop two games in this series. But them losing this series, I mean, I mean they're not going to lose this series. But them losing the series to the Rockets, I still don't feel like that is even even though all these circumstances are are coming together to make it tougher. I, I just don't see the Warriors actually losing that series. I actually don't think Houston is as good of a matchup against the Warriors as a lot of people 
think. And I know I might be on an island about that, feeling that way. But um, we'll see. It's, it's going to be interesting. At the end of the day, as, as reporters, all we can ask for is stuff to write and interesting things. And there has been no shortage. It's been uh, probably the most interesting year I've been on the beat. I'm only in year three. But it's been way more interesting last season, which was honestly very boring. The entire se- narrative of the season was complacency, uh, which is probably the lamest storyline you can have. And then the previous season, it was all about integrating Durant, which was kind of interesting. But, you know, af- after December, January, that was that was pretty good to go. Mm-hmm. This season, it's just there's been so many things at play, so many moving parts. And with the big cloud hanging over this team that is this summer, knowing that nine free agents – are going to be hitting free agency. Nine of 15 guys. A lot of them are key pieces. One of them is a guy named Kevin Durant, who I think a lot of us believe is leaving. Um, no, it's it's crazy. It's it's, it's uh, well for as someone who's you know kind of relatively I don't want to say new to the beat because you've covered the beat so long, but you're new in terms of being around the team on a regular basis. Again, how how has this experience been for you? Uh, you know entering at such a kind of pivotal time potentially in, in this franchise's history. It's fascinating um, because you're right. As writers, all you want is a great storyline, right? And I think the conflict, um, trying to watch a, a group that, that knows how to rise up, but can they do it? I think all of the, these storylines uh, are intriguing, and, and that's what we want, right? We want it to be interesting. We want stories to tell the readers, um, and they're certainly doing that. Definitely. All right, Rusty, well, I always appreciate you joining me. Um, we will reconvene when I get back to L.A. I was not planning to go to L.A. tomorrow. I literally had not e- had not even crossed my mind that I might be flying to L.A. tomorrow when I came to the arena. Tonight. I think I turned to Mark Medina midway through the game, who uh, works for the Mercury News and sits next to me at every game. I was like, so, yeah, the game's Friday, right? So we would have to fly tomorrow. Right. Okay, so I should book that potentially right after the game okay good to know because it literally like i hadn't even looked at the schedule like that's where my mind was at and i i think the warriors kind of was too so uh yeah it'll be fun buy uh buy and a beer down in la since you guys go out without me (laughs) yeah uh, yeah we probably will and we might be uh podcasting after we do that so it'll be fun yeah that'll be better than uh this silly guest you got with you tonight I want to thank Rusty Simmons for joining me on this week's podcast. It's always good chatting Warriors with someone who has followed the team as long as he has. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at cleturno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. Subscribe.